HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. All right, it is Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you are tuned in to The Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. I am your host, Aaron Fairbanks, and we are on the line with Ashley Beckman of AgriNews. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be on today. Excellent. So I thought we'd start out by sharing with our listeners a little bit about what exactly is AgriNews, what kind of stuff do you cover, and, and uh, who are your readers, and if you can just give us a general sense of the publication. Yeah, sounds great. Um, Agri-News, there are two different papers, Indiana Agri-News and Illinois Agri-News. And we're a weekly and on a print and online publication that caters to farmers and others in the agriculture industry. And you guys have been around for a while, right? 1977? Yeah, um, that's when Lou Lesniak saw a need for it and I'm like a a print publication solely for agriculture and farmers. And so it started from there. So the the weekly publication, uh, the print version, does that go out like on a subscription basis? Or, I mean, how, how do people access that? And, and who do you think is reading it? Yeah. Um, well, our readers are a lot of people. They don't have to be just farmers. It's just anyone who is, like, interested in the agricultural industry. Like, I know when I was... A student at Purdue, I would read the paper just to stay involved. And also, like, um, in, bo- in both states, like the Farm Bureau and other people, because we work with them on stories. Um, to like, But it's on the subscription is what we send out. And okay. if they're interested, they can contact our circulation department um, to get a um, 
for getting the paper. Awesome. And if they want a little preview, you can visit the website, www.agrinews.pubs.com. So you guys cover a variety of topics, everything from crops and livestock management to agribusiness, to state politics. And you are coming to it. You said you, you did your undergrad at Purdue in agricultural communication. And I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of that degree. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what that entails. Um, well, don't worry. A lot of people haven't. Um, my friends that weren't agriculture or farm kids, they always asked me if I was going to go to college to talk to cows. <laughs> um, but that's not what I did. Basically, agriculture communications, it combines both an agriculture major with a communication okay. um, degree. Because a lot of my classes were communication-based, and my electives were agriculture. So it allows me to be, like, such as a field editor for Indiana Agri-News, or other farm publications. Okay. Can you give us, I know we brought you on the show because I want to talk about this great sweet potato article that you wrote back in November, but right. before we tuck into that, can you give us kind of a sense of what are what are some of the topics that you have covered as a reporter there, and um, what kind of general uh, areas are, are your expertise? Yeah. Um, my expertise is um, in, like, livestock, either management or environmental issues when it comes to, like, the commodity groups. So I talk with them. I work with them. I also work a lot with um, or talk covering the Board of Animal Health for Indiana, and they'll help me, like, stay in contact with them to know what's going on. And also a big one and a lot that I work on is, um, like, the well tillage practices and along with um ffa and 4-h groups okay so i want to ask a few kind of follow-up questions the com- sure. who so you mentioned commodity groups what what groups are you talking about um well it can be anywhere from like um the indiana beef association or i'm working on a story right now for um with indiana pork okay so like the different commodity groups or i've also the other field editor um covers crops, but I've also, when I help her cover it, I also work with, like, the Indiana um, Soybean Alliance and Indiana Corn Marketing Council as well. So can you give me a sense of um, kind of the the paper's uh, target audience? I mean, I think what what's so interesting, um, I, what I found so interesting about the publication is you guys cover such a wide range of topics, um, and you, you go into kind of some pretty in-depth science or political um pieces, but then you also have a lot of information on, on just different family farms and family farming practices. Um, as far as, as the size of farms that you're serving or the, the kind of type of farmer that you feel like is, is using the publication or the type of farmer that you're generally um, looking to serve, do you have a sense? Is there a target there where you, you look to serve farmers who are operating in the... Oh. Oh, and I think we lost her. Cool. So we'll take a break and come right back. Sounds good.
All right, we are back on the line with Ashley Bickman of the Agri-News. Uh, you're listening to The Farm Report, and I'm your host, Aaron Fairbanks. So, Ashley, before we got to take a break to listen to some killer music from Jack, my producer, I was um, <laughs> trying, to, to, trying to get a sense of what, um, what type of farmer, or, or if you categorize it, or if the publication looks at it this way, that, that you're looking to serve um, as far as, you know, is it large scale farmer or small scale? Are there, or do you not really break it down like that? Um, well, we cater to about, don't really break it down like that, but that's where it comes in because we'll cater to any, any farm group. Uh, but that's why when our stories, we'll cater them more to, we'll make sure we'll do one like on what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. So we try to have one in our pork section. So the pork news and beef news, and then, I've also covered, like, um, um, sustainability, excuse me, in, like, small farm operations. Sure. That's a bigger topic nowadays. So we'll try to cover everything since the paper um, is subscribed by a large range of... Of people. And is yeah, it primarily in the Illinois-Indiana area? Huh? Is, your, is the reach primarily in the Illinois-Indiana area? I mean, I think I ran across you guys on Twitter, actually. I mean, you're, so you're using some kind of broader-based, like, social media strategies as well. Yeah, we have started using Twitter, and I believe we have a Facebook page as well. But a lot of the stories, some of them primarily have an Indiana and Illinois base to them because um, that's the two newspapers. But we also will cover some things on national level. The other people in the online version can read. Like right now, I'm doing a story on pork consumption. Okay. And it's on national level. Awesome. So, um, one of the other topics you said you write on is animal health and, and being in touch with the state's animal health board. So, what are some of the types of stories that get covered un- under that section? Yeah. Well, it just depends because the BOA or the Board of Animal Health in Indiana will have different meetings. Um, throughout the year, so I've gone to one of those, and I'll be going to those as well to see what's going on and what changes are in the different animal, um, I guess, areas, because it's like a four-hour meeting. Okay. But one story I covered was there that the um, a disease was cleared up in Indiana, an outbreak there was, and they'll do reports on that, so then we'll let people know in Indiana that everything is okay or whatever state it's in. Kind of if you're looking at statewide trends or things that are happening, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of synthesize that a little bit. And then right, just, yeah. just for our listeners who may not be aware, can you tell us a little bit about FFA and 4-H? Right, yes. Um, they are, in my opinion, great um, youth organizations that deal with agriculture. I was a 10-year member of 4-H and four years of FFA in high school. 4-H um, is typically... Well, a fair grade and up until you reach 10 years, and it's more of the organization where you can, um, if you want to show animals, like I showed pigs and sheep, and a lot of people do horses and cattle as well. Like showing them animals. showing them like, at like a fair, you mean? Yeah, you. Um, a lot of them do the projects throughout the year, and you have group meetings to meet with other members, and then you exhibit them at the county fair, and they get judged. Awesome. So what did you raise? Um, I, oh, uh, we, I showed sheep, but we raised pigs. Okay. And so since I had the skinniest arm in high school of my family, I, uh, got to pull pigs. So <laughs> it's a great experience. <laughs> what do you mean pull pigs? Um, 
since we were a small scale, me and my um, siblings, uh-huh. we only had about three sows, which are the mother pigs when we started. Uh-huh. So we couldn't afford to lose any, like a large scale operation. Okay. So when they went into labor, we had to keep an eye on them. And if one got stuck in the birth canal, they could um, keep the, like, the rest of the litter in there if you didn't get them out in time. So I'd go and pull the pigs out. So you were like the, the midwife for the sows? Yeah, yeah, I guess I was. <laughs> awesome. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about how sweet potatoes differ greatly from the white potato. This is a piece that you wrote back um, in November 29th, and I think for me really demonstrates kind of some of the, the interesting facts and the kind of general scope of the paper where you, you take uh, a topic and really delve in deep. So maybe uh, you can just walk us through some of the stuff that you reported on. Yeah, but yeah. Um, well, I was curious about the sweet potato, and since it was around Thanksgiving, I decided to do a story on it. And I was really surprised to find out from um, Liz Maynard, was my expert at Purdue, that the sweet potato and the white potato are actually in two different um, class families, which I did not know. Okay, even though they're both called potato. Right, yes. The sweet potato... Um, is actually part of the morning glory family, which is known for, um, it's a weed and ornamental plant. Okay. And then the, yeah. the white potato is? Um, it's in the family as like tomatoes and eggplants. Okay. So it's more of your vegetable family, I guess. And then as far as uh, growing practices or how it grows, is the sweet potato right. is, is pretty different from the white potato. Yeah. Um, pretty much when it comes to growing, the main difference is that, I mean, the main similarity is they both grow underground. But from there, um, a white potato will grow underground, and you'll just see the leafy plant come up. Mm-hmm. But a sweet potato, um, since it's in the morning glory family, which is a viney family, mm-hmm. um, it'll vine over the ground around it as it grows. And then you also, what you plant is different for both. I mean, neither of these plants grow from a seed, correct? Right, yeah. They usually start out, um, like with the potato, it looks like a little potato, the tuberous part. But with the sweet potato, um, Liz Maynard said that it starts with something known as a slip in the sweet potato industry. It's just like a little part um, from the plant that's transplanted into the ground, and then it'll grow from there. Uh, so is, is there a diff- do you grow sweet I mean are sweet potatoes or uh, a, b- a big crop in the Illinois Indiana area or do they typically uh, grow in other parts of the country right uh, no there are there are only like a total of around 13 acres in Indiana that grow sweet potatoes but they do grow in Indiana but since Indiana and Illinois can have colder weathers you never know um, and the sweet potato is a warmer um, plant it, the states with the highest like, sweet potato production are, like, California, Mississippi, and, like, Louisiana, because it's warmer there. All right. And then as far as the, I'm trying, I'm just taking a look at your article here. The nutritional factors are pretty different, too, between a sweet potato and a white potato. Yeah. um, A white potato is more of your typical starch, and you can make mashed potatoes out of it. And a sweet potato, it's a versatile crop that um, make natural sugars in it, make it, give it the sweetness. It's also very nutritious and healthy for you. 
before you add all the marshmallows, which make it delicious. <laughs> and and what about, so I, I think oftentimes at, at stores or at the market, you see sweet potatoes and you see yams. And sometimes people call them, you know, you seem to use the terms interchangeably. Is the sweet potato the same thing as a yam? No, it's not, which I didn't know before I started researching it. Um, they do get called the same thing, and usually, um, if you see a yam, it's typically just a sweet potato, because you don't find yams in the U.S., they don't really sell them over here. Um, typically, yams are, um, it's a starchy staple type of crop that's found, like, in the tropics and subtropic areas. Interesting. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I would love to just talk a little bit about, if not sweet potatoes, what are some of the major uh, crops in the Illinois, Indiana area that that you look at in particular for agri-news? Okay. We are back. You are tuned into the Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. And we are on the line with Ashley Beckman of AgriNews, talking about the publication's coverage and touching base about what's happening in Indiana and Illinois. So, Ashley, can you give us a sense? I mean, what what are the primary crops in that region? And, and in your experience um, as a reporter for AgriNews, do you see that kind of shifting or changing at all um, in the recent past? Um. Well, first I'll start with, like, in Indiana, well, Illinois, especially in Indiana, some big ones are um, corn and soybeans, which are, like, the staple crops we grow. I thought and you might say that. And then we are pretty high up in popcorn production, along with, like, blueberries, peppermint, and spearmint. And there's a lot of, like, tomato processing as well. Um, you mean, like, the growing and the processing of tomatoes? Um, yeah, it's just, like, the processing of tomatoes and melons, like, um, they're pretty big in the farmer's markets around in the Indiana and Illinois, which is also another big thing we cover. Okay. And so so processing, do you mean, like, canning tomatoes or, or? Um, there's some of that. I know, like, using them for other um, things such as salsa, because I know there's a salsa company in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, like, a small-scale one. But, um... And I know of a couple of tomato farmers, so they grow them, and then some sell in here, or they just ship them out to other areas. And what has the season been like uh, over in that region of the country? I know here in New York, we saw some pretty crazy thunderstorm. Uh, you know, some pretty crazy rains had to deal with a lot of flooding. Um, you know, each year is I think a little bit different. What, right. what was it? A good growing year out in the in the Midwest, or or was there anything in particular that? Uh, put up some challenges or was an issue for your farmers? Right. Um, 
especially in the Midwest, and I know Texas took it hit really hard too. Um, we had a a big dry spell this summer, and which really affected um, like hay production because of not being enough water. And I know that one, and also I visited a pumpkin farm this year, and I saw that they all had some um, issues in growing because of the hot weather. And, like, you could see the vines were just, they stopped growing because there was no rain during the summer for a couple of weeks. Wow, I know that we had pumpkin issues out here in the Northeast, too, but from flooding, I heard. From what I heard, it was a tough a tough year for the Halloweeners, but I, uh, I, yeah. I feel, I guess, I feel lucky I got my, my pumpkin carved up for this season, so. Um, so what's on the horizon for you? Um, any interesting articles that we should be looking for in the, in the new year? Well, um, actually, around this time, the start of the new year is very busy in the agriculture industry and for um, us writers here at Agri-News because it's when the farmers aren't in the field yet. It's like they're in between time, so they'll have all their conferences and committee meetings and um, just conventions, I guess. And so there's a lot of like youth leadership and farming meetings and congresses coming up. Okay, so you'll be out hitting the hitting the road, checking out some of those different conferences to find out kind of what's on the agenda for 2012. Yes, I will go to them, and there's a bunch of a couple big machine shows we will go to and um, talk with farmers and the experts in the different areas and see what we want to write about to make people aware of in Indiana and Illinois, so they're prepared for the new year and what is happening in the industry. Awesome. That's great. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great to get a chance to hear a little bit more about the publication. And as I said, if people want to read more of some of the great work you guys are doing out there, they can find you at www.agrinews-pubs.com. And we look forward to reading more of the stuff from your desk. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate being on the show today. Thank you. You've been listening to The Farm Report on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Aaron Fairbanks, and I'm taking you out. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.